0: In January, we've taken a break from our series on Luke. We're going to pick that up again next week. But at the first of this year, I wanted us to spend time on uh, contemplation. Remember, we talked about Psalms 90. Lord, teach me to number my days so that wisdom may develop in me. Let me think about where I am in this life and where I am in my life with you so that I can grow in wisdom. And we talked about uh, First Corinthians 15, where Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. God brought me from where I was to where I am. And then he said, but God's grace towards me is not in vain. Ravain meant like an empty cup or, or empty hands. He's like, I, I don't stand here as a recipient of God's grace with empty hands and nothing to do. He said, I work harder than everybody else. So God's grace in us has brought us to where we are, and there's a hard work aspect that we get to participate in. And then we talked about uh, some avenues of grace that God has given us in prayer and in the scripture. And in the church, the body of Christ, how we benefit from being a part of the body, but we are also a benefit to the body. You benefit from being here. And in somebody oftentimes is benefiting from you being here, whether you realize it or not. So we talked about contemplation and foundation and motivation. And, and then the last thing I want us to talk about. Today, Uh, just a principle of our life and something we always want to keep in mind is in Matthew 22. And listen, I am in awe. I I wish you could see what I see uh, as as God puts this together. What I'm going to share with you today, I feel like um, he, he does all of it. Right. That I come to God and go, God, I don't know what you want to say. I feel like it's this. You know, teach me, show me. It's like me showing up like the little boy when Jesus fed the five thousand. I'm showing up with just a little lunchbox. Like God, this is all I have. I, I don't have much. And then he takes it and he blesses it. And every time I, I, I strike the last mark of my notes uh, for a Sunday sermon, I just sit back and go, you are too good to me. You are too good to me. And listen, he loves you enough to do that. He takes my, my, my time and ideas and, and, and the little bit that I can bring, and He multiplies it to bless you. So I hope you're, you're blessed by it today. Let's read Matthew 22, uh, starting in verse 34, and then I'll pray over the Word today as we receive it. Matthew 22, 34, not a long text this morning. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they came together And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your body today. God, as we gather around uh, the the table to feast on your word today, I thank you that you have uh, instilled in life and blessings for us. I thank you that you'll teach us, train us in the way that we should go, that when we get out, we won't depart from that. Thank you for your truth. Open our eyes to the wonders of your word today. In Jesus name. Amen. So when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had just roasted the Sadducees on a question about the resurrection, they said, well, we can do better than that. Right. They didn't like Jesus. The Pharisees didn't like him. The Sadducees didn't like him. And they kept trying to find ways and avenues that they could call him out in public so that people would stop listening to him. We want to discredit him. We want to show everybody that we're just as good as him. And so they, they rally together and they're like, yeah, he, he just burnt them, you know, in the resurrection. And that's all they talk about. So we got to bring a real zinger if we're going to stump this guy. And so they got together and I'm sure they tried to find something because uh, that's what they would do. They would sit around and ask one another questions. There would be these deep discussions, maybe not with a lot of answers. But that was the idea. If you could ask the best question, then you were, you know, key to be a leader. Among that group. And so they probably said, well, let's, let's bring him the one that, that has really cooked our noodle over the years as we've been getting together and talking about it. We're going to ask him of all the commands, which one is the greatest? Now, they had a count of the commands in the not the full Old Testament, but from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And they counted six hundred and thirteen commandments in those books. 613. Some of them were positive, saying, do this. And some of them were negative, don't do this. But there were 613 in total. And so they asked him, which one of those is the most important? Now when you got a pool of 613 things, you would think that no matter what someone says, there's going to be an argument against it, right? If we're sitting around trying to determine, hey, who's the best high school football team? Somebody's going to have an argument against what you say. They're just going to be able to, and that's part of the fun about sitting around and discussing these types of things. But they came and they asked him this question, and thankfully they asked him an important one, one that we'll benefit from because you know he's going to have an answer. And they came to him and said, of all of these, which commandment is the most important? And I'm sure there wasn't a pause and there wasn't a thought because he's Jesus. And then he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6 in verse 5, and he says... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. He says, this is the greatest commandment. So it's like a mic drop moment, right? How can they argue with that? It's awesome. And then he keeps going. Now, they didn't ask him what the second greatest commandment was, but he says the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then he speaks up and says, and the second is like it Now, I know there had to have been at least one guy sitting there that thought, oh, my gosh, he's going to rank all 613 of these right here. That's really going to make us look bad, right? He's going to name them all off from him. You know, I'm sure he kind of clenched up a little bit. But thankfully, Jesus didn't do that. And, and, and some of the things that Jesus did uh, specifically delivered me as a speaker, because sometimes I felt like I had to get up and tell everybody everything every time. Right. We got it. God, I can't leave this out. How, how can they how can we leave this part out? But then I see Jesus talking and he just told them at each point what they needed to know right then. He could have sat there and ranked all six hundred and thirteen of them in order. But he said, I'm just going to tell you what's most important for you to know. And that delivered me. If you've ever spoken or shared or done anything like that, it might deliver you too. I know it's delivered you sitting in here because my sermons are going to be a little bit shorter because I don't feel like I have to tell you everything I know every time. He said, the greatest command is to love the Lord with your heart, all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he said on this, every law hangs on it. All the law and the prophets hang on this. And as I was studying on this, I kept coming back to that the second one is like it. The second one is like it. It kept coming back over and over and over again. He said, the greatest is to love the Lord your God, but the second is like it. It means it's similar. It resembles the first one. It corresponds to the first one. Now, it's not the same as the first one. But it is like it. It's not equal to it, but it is like it. It is similar. There's a likeness there. He's given us the two most important commands for life. To love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And Mark adds strength, right? And some people get caught up on the, you know, breaking that down. How do, okay, lo, am I loving him with my mind? Am I loving him with my soul? How do I know? What's the difference between those two? Goodness gracious. But the focus there isn't on the breakdown. It's on the word all in front of them. To say with everything that you are, love the Lord, your God. In, in, in complete unity of self, love the Lord, your God. That's the primary piece And then he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What makes them alike? He said, the second one is like it. What makes it like the first? Is it the action? They both have love in them, right? Is is them both having love in there? What makes them alike? Here's what I believe. While love is commanded in both, I believe that the primary piece that makes them alike I like That makes the second one like the first, is the object of the love. He said in the first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then the second one is like it, love your neighbor. Now, one of the men who was standing here, when Jesus would have answered this question from the Pharisees, wrote about this answer. John, in 1 John chapter 4, he was writing about God, and he said, God is... Love, Right. And he said, we love because he first loved us. And then in John 420, you don't have to turn there. But in John 420, he said, if anyone says I love God and yet hates his brother or his sister, he is a liar. For the person who doesn't love his brother or his sister who he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And in verse 21, he said, and we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his neighbor, must also love his brother and his sister. So we see that that was ingrained in him because he's talking about it later. So they are paired together. He said, if one loves God, he has to love his brother and his sister. He has to love his neighbor. So they are paired. But why are they paired? Why is the second one like the first? If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, to the creation account, it says over and over, God said, let there be. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be day. God said, let there be night, land, birds, fish, animals. Let there be. And then there's a break in the language. It was moving along with a rhythm of let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. And then he said something different. He said, let us make. Let us make. And the writer said it differently to show you that what was about to happen was different from what had already happened. What was about to happen was special compared to what had already happened. What did he say? He said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Why did he make man? To rule in his name, the sky, the sea, and the earth. That's why God made man. And further." In Genesis 1:27 it says so God created them in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. So what makes the second commandment like the first is that the object of love in the second is like the object of love in the first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself, because the second one is like it. We were made in the image of God, mankind, male and female, created in the image of God and in his likeness. Now, we don't have enough time today to go into all that That. Means Instead, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about how special it is and then what our response is to that special characteristic. God made mankind in his image. Why? Why would you make a statue of someone? If you made statues of yourself and put them all over the world, why would you do that? Because you want people to know who you are. You want them to be able to look on that image of you and know about you, right? So that they would see it and know the person after whom this statue is made in the image of. They would see that likeness and understand more about who it was created in the image of. God created mankind to image him to his creation. Again, to rule, to reign in his name. And with his delegated authority, that's why he created man. Now we know the problem, right? Sin came in and then fractured not only our relationship with him, but our image. And so it separated us from our purpose and our destiny, which is to bring glory to God, to glorify him. That's our life's work. To glorify God. And and the benefit to us is we enjoy doing that. We don't realize it when we're a sinner and we learn it as we become a Christian that our greatest joy is to glorify God. That's our purpose. That's our life's goal. And sin caused us to fall short of that. Remember what it says in Romans. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our life's purpose to glorify, honor him and to image him to his creation. That image, that reflection of God was marred. It was broken. It was distorted where I'm not imaging God to the world. I'm imaging me to the world. Right. So here's what we know. Even in that marred state, men and women. Boys and girls are still created in the image of God. And what that means for us is that everyone, because of that simple fact that they're created in the image of God, everyone is deserving of love and of dignity and of respect. Amen? Amen. I don't know if you realize how groundbreaking it would have been for the people that first read that in Genesis 127. That God created men and women in His image. The people that would have read this first would have been the ones who had just come out of Egypt into the wilderness. And previously, anybody that was associated with being the image of God was mighty and powerful and rich. They had all of those. People like Pharaoh... The Egyptians worshiped Pharaoh as God. He was the most powerful man in the region, if not the world, the richest at the same time. And so they had that. you, You can only image God if you have these things. And so for them to hear that we're all created in the image of God would have been groundbreaking for them. It's not just the mighty and the powerful. It's not just those with assets and authority that are created in the image of God, but also the meek and the lowly, also the poor and the downcast. Jesus came and said, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. Right? He was saying, you thought it was just for the best of the best. I'm coming saying, y'all are all created in his image and the kingdom is open to you. This would have been groundbreaking for them to read that. That they were created in the image of God, even though they were coming out of slavery, even though they were poor, even though they were weak, even if they were frail, they were created in the image of God. Now, all of us, again, all of mankind created in God's image, deserving of dignity and respect, even though they're not all walking in their purpose. Even though they may be far from God, even though they may be deep in sin, still created in the image of God and worthy of love, dignity and respect. We know that sin came Marred that image like like a broken mirror trying to be a reflection. It just doesn't work. But thankfully, Jesus came. Colossians calls him the image of the invisible God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He came as the perfect image bearer, the one that we couldn't be. He came to be in front of us. And then we also know he came to redeem us and rescue us from our sin, to restore us and heal us and give us back our destiny to be the image of God to his creation. Second Corinthians 318 says that we all with unveiled face or seeing clearly are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, this is from the Lord by the power of the Spirit. He said Jesus came to be that good and right image bearer so that we could see what it was supposed to look like. And then he redeems and rescues us from our sin and then begins to change us. It says we're, we're now looking at him. Because we can see Jesus has taking the veil away from our face and off of our eyes. We can see him more clearly. And as we're looking on him, he's transforming us into what? The image of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see how all of that connects from the beginning through Jesus to where we are right now. He came to restore the image bearers of God because God created us in his image and his likeness. Worthy of love and dignity and respect with the purpose of glorifying God in full view of his creation. Sin broke, marred that image. And we began to image ourselves to the creation instead of him, his image, his glory and Christ, rescued and restored. And we're in the middle of that process. So during that time, at that point in our life is where Jesus speaks into it in Matthew 22. Where he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the greatest and most important commandment. you, You don't pass that. That's the greatest, he said. But the second in line is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because like John said, how can we love God and hate our neighbor? How can we love God and hate someone that was made in his image? How can we love God and withhold love and dignity and respect from somebody else. Now, this this idea of being created in the image of God affects how we see others and it should also affect and encourage how we see ourselves, right? We should see ourselves as worthy of love and worthy of dignity and worthy of respect. Now, we don't withhold truth from ourselves, right? Because we've said you can be created in the image of God and be doing things you should not be doing. You can be deep in sin. You can be far from him. And it can devastate you. So we don't withhold truth, but we also don't withhold love and dignity and respect. And others, it affects how we treat everyone. And again, we don't withhold Truth, we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight, what it means to be a watchman. We don't withhold truth, but we also don't withhold love and dignity and respect. Everyone. Everyone. Whether we're talking about the unborn, babies in the womb not, not born yet, worthy of love and dignity and respect. The other end of the spectrum, the the, the aged. Whose bodies are are coming undone, nursing homes, long term care, worthy of love and dignity and respect. One of the phrases is We believe it from the womb to the tomb. We believe it. We believe it for the infirm, for the weak, for the poor, for the sinner and the lawless. We believe it that they're worthy of love and dignity. respect we believe it for those that don't look like us or talk like us who don't live like us who don't vote like us come on (laughs) that's what you've seen most recently right It's like well it's because you disagree with me that means I can treat you this way that doesn't mean that we don't withhold truth but we also don't withhold love and dignity And respect. And we have to watch that. We stand for the truth. But we stand in love. And dignity. And respect. Human. Worldly. Love. We can't get them confused. There's all kinds of. And we can go into. All the different types of love. But when I love someone. Strictly. In my. Human nature. It's always with. I'm really the object, right? I, it, it's to bind them to me because I received something from them. You know, you, you think through that of your list of people. You know, we always have that list of people we would take a bullet for. <laughs> you always say that. Well, I would take a bullet for them. And, and usually it's the ones that you either don't see yourself as being able to live without because of what they do for you or. Someone that you are directly responsible for. And if anything happened to them, it would be a poor reflection on you. So human love always loves another for my own sake, because I get something out of it. But that's not what he's talking about. The love of Christ, the love that he is prescribing here, loves another Not not for my sake, not what it's going to bring to me or even for their own sake, what it'll do to them. But for Christ's sake, for what he has already done, he makes it possible for us to love others because he has shown us what's wrong with them. Right. We can love ourselves because he's shown us what was wrong with us. And that that still doesn't separate us from what our true destiny in life is. We can love others because he's shown us this is what's wrong with them. This is why they're acting the way that they're acting. But they're not without hope. They're not without destiny. And he can still bring that about in their life. We know that they can be redeemed from it because we were redeemed from it. And we know what their life's purpose truly is, what their destiny in life is. And that's to be an image bearer of God Almighty, to glorify him here on the earth and to show others what he actually looks like. I want to read this one more time as we get ready to close. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. They thought, well, he won't silence us. Just remember that. And one of them, an expert in the law, he talks about it all the time. Asked a question to test him with the purpose of trying to get him to fail. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest And most important command. And the second is like it. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. He's saying, if you will do these two things, by the power and the grace that I'm going to provide, if you will do these two things, you don't have to worry about how do I I not murder anybody today? How do I not commit adultery today? How do I not walk in unforgiveness today? He said, you won't have to worry about those things. You can hang everything else on this because if you can do these two things, if you will do these two things, because you can't do it on your own. He gives you the ability to do it. He said, you can hang everything else on it and it will, by God, hold it up. It will hold it up. If we love him, seek him with all that we are. And then give others the same love and dignity and respect that he has given to us in Christ Jesus. We don't have to worry about everything else. And just imagine how transformative that is for people. When they know you disagree with them and yet they still know that you love them. They still know that you respect them. They still know that you treat them with dignity that wrecks their mind because there is nothing like that in the world. You don't believe me? Go look. It's not there and it's getting worse. But he said the greatest commandment is to love God, the second one is like it love those that he made in his image. Because as John said, how can we say we love him and hate this one? How can we say we love him? and despise this one who was made in his image. We can't do it. Amen. Stand up with me. Andrew, if you'll come, we'll get ready to to sing together as we close out. The reason I wanted to talk about this today when we're talking about these foundational things in our life is I I do believe it is that foundational. I can't tell you I had this come up over and over in my heart as I was praying over God. What should we what should we talk about this January? Because you remember we talked about different things last January. Still formative, still foundational. God, what do we need right now? And he kept coming back with that phrase, Amago Day, which is just Latin for the image of God over and over and over and over and over. And I was like, well, where do you want me to start from that? And he pointed me to this one, which doesn't even you wouldn't thought to have anything to do with it. But he took me there and I was like, I really don't know this. I want to. I'm having trouble. I feel like this isn't going to make sense. And then just this week after again, after I was done with my notes, I was doing some errands yesterday. Listening to a different some different podcasts. And you don't hear that a lot. Amago Day. You don't hear it a bunch. Both of the ones I listened to mentioned it and talked about it in detail. One of them. uh, Preacher friend, he was, he was ministering a week ago Sunday, and I had it downloaded on my phone and I hadn't listened to it. Yet I probably could have, it would have been better if I'd listened to his first. I might have done better on mine. Could have just taken some of his notes. But uh it God encouraged me in that, like this is what I want to say today. This is what I want to emphasize today, is that we're all created in his image. Don't let him sell, don't let the enemy sell you lies about yourself that you're not what you should be. Instead, look to the one who made you because he's the one that holds and knows your destiny. And it's not a mystery. It's to glorify him and to enjoy relationship with him. That's what he put you here for. And understanding that you're created in his image allows you to love yourself even though you've been disappointed with yourself even though you know you've sinned against him, it allows you to see yourself as worthy of love and dignity and respect. And then we're able to take that and apply it to others. Take that and apply it to others. Where they, they may, That's what Jesus said, love your enemies. Even the ones who say terrible things about you, even the ones who do terrible things to you, that you can still treat them with love and dignity and respect. Again, not withholding truth, not putting yourselves in situations that you shouldn't be, but love and dignity and respect make a difference. And listen, everybody is a candidate for redemption. The ones that hate you today may love you five years from now because you shine a light into their life, because you introduce the kingdom, and that's what we all actually need. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us take this and see it with eyes of faith. Help us be the image bearers that you've created us to be. We didn't get here in our own strength. It's by your grace that we are what we are. And I thank you that your grace is sufficient for us in every situation. That you're not asking us to do something impossible, you're giving us the ability to do what you've called us to do. Help us see. Help us see ourselves as you see us. Help us see ourselves the way that you see us and help us see others the way that you see them. God help us to love. Help us to love the way that you love, not for our own sake, not even for what it'll bring to them, but for Christ's sake in the name of Jesus. And listen, if if you're in here today and you would say, I don't I don't feel like I'm created in the image of God. You you don't know me. You don't know what, what I've done. You don't know what I've thought. Listen, he knows you. The psalmist said that even before a word appears on your tongue, he already knows what it's going to be. He knows you inside and out. And he still, because of his great love for you, sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish in their sin, but have everlasting life. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to free us and redeem us and restore us into the image bearers that we were destined to be, all you have to do is believe. Believe that he's sufficient. Believe that he came, that he died for your sins, that he rose on the third day to prove that that was sufficient and then confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then let us know so we can celebrate with you, encourage you, and walk with you in it. God, you didn't withhold truth and righteousness from us, but you also didn't withhold love and dignity and respect. Help us to go and do likewise in the name of Jesus. As we get ready to go today, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity with each other. Lord, that you protect us and keep us safe. That you encourage us in this time together. You build us up in our faith so that we can walk through this week with you in mind. And with your light in our eyes, I thank you for the love that we'll be able to show to others today because you have first loved us. And Lord, that we'll see transformation in that slowly and over time and some very, very rapidly. I thank you to you. The glory will go and that you bring us safely back here together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.